0: We're one day away from a pivotal Game 3 of the NBA Finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. The series is tied 1-1. We're going live at the scene, reporting straight from the Cheers bar, drinking some clam chowder, having a grand old time that I'd touch on every stereotype imaginable in Boston. Connor Letourneau joins uh, me.
1: I just got to pack my car right now. Pop, uh, We're going to bring it all
0: down this. Boston is locked on warriors you are locked on warriors your daily golden state warriors podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out pricepicks.com and use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I'm going to get into Prize Picks, by the way, during our first uh, live read because I finally created an account. Got some money in there. I had fun playing that. We're gonna talk about that in just moments. But right now, Connor Letourneau is even more fun. He's joining me live from Boston, live to me. Anyways, we're recording this on Wednesday morning, uh June or is it Tuesday? I am so I'm so it's lost. Tuesday. I, it's Tuesday, thank you. Way Tuesday game you. at 8:30 a.m. Pacific time, 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, where where Connor Laterno is at at a hotel in Boston, Massachusetts. How's the scene there, man? They're like it's, it's been a long time since the Warriors have been hyping up team flight videos, but that's what was going on. Um, I don't know if you fly with the team or, or or how your travel works, but how is the scene in Boston as we gear up for tomorrow's Game 3?
1: It's good, man. I mean, I'm a I'm a Southwest guy. In the finals is the only time of the year where there's a quote-unquote media charter, so media members Ooh. can actually fly on this special NBA charter, just all the media members. You're not with nice. any of the teams. Uh, But I declined to do that because I need my Southwest points, man. I, uh, I need those. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta fly for free this summer. So, um, yeah, I flew commercial, had a very long layover in Chicago, didn't get until like 1130 last night. Wow. Um, but, uh, I'm good. And you know, the, the early vibes I'm picking up in Boston are people are just kind of, uh, ready to get this thing going. You know, these two day breaks between games are a little brutal you know um like I I was just telling you before we got on this podcast like I don't know what to write today because I feel like we've written about twenty thousand things in the past two days uh as a as a group at the Chronicle and I don't know what else there is to say right now so uh hopefully this conversation will help get those uh gears turning for me
0: yeah heck yeah man the Muse comes in many forms uh, I guess first things first, man, we're talking about that extra day off. The, the Warriors were not afforded that luxury. Neither were the Celtics. The Celtics were on a crazy travel schedule given they were playing repeated Game 7s. It was, you know, they had no days off. They're, and they've got, you know, the battle scars to show it right now. I mean, Robert Williams third, clearly his injury is a factor in the series. He's not his his, his normal self. Marcus smart. We're not seeing his name on the injury reports, but he was banged up coming into this series. It wouldn't surprise me if he's hiding his injury. In your opinion, this extra day off, who who does it benefit more? Because on one hand, I, I would normally say it's the Warriors. Um, you know, their their core group is slightly older; they're in their early thirties. I can imagine that extra day off for a bunch of shooters uh, benefiting them, since this, it, since extra rest benefits shooters the most. But then again, Hal Horford, who's thirty six, lit up the Warriors in Game One for thirty for you know six of eight from three, and the extra days of rest was huge for him. Who do you think this extra day was rest between the games benefits more, and why?
1: You know, it's a little misleading because yes, there there is there are two days between the games, but one of those is a travel day, so they didn't really accomplish a lot yesterday beyond beyond just getting from point A to point B. Um, And, and so today is going to be a lot about digging into film and, and and going through sets and doing all those reads and, and all those things. But it's also tough because. You know these practices are open to media and there's literally thousands of media members here and it's it's just a very different type of environment than they're used to so a lot of the work the real work has to be done behind the scenes um away from the court and you know i generally think in these situations that uh, the rest thing is a little bit overrated i think it's more about preparation time and i think it's more important for the team that lost, right? So in this situation, it would be the Celtics. They have more adjustments to make than the Warriors. Um, The Warriors, I think, you saw after game one that even though they lost and they had a pretty awful uh, collapse in that fourth quarter, they were extremely confident. Draymond Green basically went as far to say, or intimate, at least, that it was an mm. anomaly that couldn't be replicated. You know, all all Boston's complimentary guys uh, hitting threes the way they were, and the Warriors seem to really genuinely believe and feel like they're the better team. And as long as they play up to their ability, they'll be fine. And um, I agree. I I yep. kind of I see what they're talking about, and so I think the I think that the the pressure is really on the Celtics right now. Uh, to defend home court and come out and get game three and put the pressure back on the Warriors to steal game four. I
0: absolutely agree, man. I was talking about that with Kevin Deanna yesterday, that in this game three and maybe even game four, as weird as it sounds, there's going to be more pressure on the Celtics to hold home court. Um, and I do think the Warriors proved in game two, like, I don't know why people keep writing this Warriors team off. And, you know, it, it, the, I do strongly agree with Draymond Green I mean I do also agree that they needed more urgency they I think they played lackadaisical to start that fourth quarter um and and it showed you know I mean they lost game one but uh you know they came back in game two you know you wrote a you wrote a great article uh that just came out recently about Clay Thompson and on one hand I'm reading this article and I'm going wow those are some fascinating stats you pulled out and anyone can read it by 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 either subscribing to the Samsung Chronicle going online um, you know, I subscribe to it, uh, for great reason. Um, you know, so on one hand you could, you know, I feel like this is a, this is a repeated sentiment, you know, round after round where Clay's been struggling. He's, he's going below par to start a series and then he he explodes. And then all of a sudden people forget about all those early series struggles. And this is really nothing new. I guess what I'm going to, what I'm, what I'm curious to ask you is based on your research, when you wrote that Clay Thompson article, what differences did you see? Because Clay's always been a streaky shooter. So, what differences have you seen offensively from him in previous playoffs versus this year's playoffs?
1: Yeah, I think that what I've seen there, he has had a few really nice games, but he's the consistency isn't there, um, and that's to be expected. You know, it's gonna. It's, he's probably gonna need the the rest of these playoffs uh, and the off season to get a real rhythm offensively um and you know even though we talk a lot about his physical limitations on the defensive end you know how you're kind of seeing the lingering effect of those injuries on the defensive end you do see it at times on the offensive end too he's not he's not jetting into the jumpers the way he was and so sometimes I think because he doesn't have that that speed or that quickness that maybe he did a couple years ago um he he has a hard time getting his timing totally right i think you've seen a lot of times that he's rushing up shots you know that might be because he's just trying to maybe he's out of rhythm because of his physical stuff or maybe he's just um maybe he's just kind of over eager there there could be a lot of reasons for that but i think you saw in game two that he was rushing his shots a lot um you know he was he wasn't going through the full the full uh, shooting motion. He was just kind of throwing him up there. And, um, you know, he needs to get back. He needs to calm himself down. He needs to get back into more of a rhythm, more of a flow. Um, and, you know, I think I agree with you that he very well could be ready for a huge game in game three. But the thing that concerns me about Clay is that I think we have a large enough sample size right now to see that he's not the same defender. Mm. Um, he's not close to the same defender to the point where the warriors are putting him on Al Horford rather than like a Jalen Brown or right. a Jaylen, uh, Jason Tatum and to be completely honest with you he struggled you know he can't he's struggling to stay in front of Al Horford at times um which is you know not to be it's not unexpected given what he's coming back from but that's that's a serious issue and when you're not um being very consistent offensively it, may, it does make you somewhat of a liability at times and i'm not saying that you know steve should pull clay or anything like that clay has built up enough equity in this organization to to deserve the benefit of the doubt 100% but it is a, a situation that the warriors have to deal with one one stat that a lot of people might not be aware of about clay
0: okay i love that, that
1: he has he has by far the worst plus minus differential of any of the regular rotation players in these playoffs. Ooh, Lawyers ouch. statistically are significantly better when he's off the floor, when he's on it Eek. in these playoffs. And that might surprise some people, but if you think about it, it kind of makes sense in part because a lot of times when he's not on the floor, this guy named Jordan Poole's on the floor and Jordan Poole, even though he's been up and down at times as well in these playoffs has help the warriors win more than clay probably has um so it's a it's a surprising stat um 538 did an interesting analysis on it a few days ago in my piece yesterday I I looked at it from a different lens um hmm. but yeah i mean it's even though clay has had his moments it's very clear that he's got a long ways to go still and there is a legitimate question of whether or not he will be he'll ever get back or at least close to where he used to be because you know it has been a while now he came back in january i'm not yeah. saying he should be 100 back but you know this is a, a decent sample size and so maybe this is just who clay is at this point and you know if that's the case that's okay and that's understandable but the warriors have to decide what that means for them in terms of like the rotation and and how they move forward
0: yeah and I mean the bottom line is this they're gonna live and die with him um I, I've seen those plus minus stats and you and I talked about this a lot we talked we were talking last night where you're in a hotel that apparently you can't have a conversation without violating noise <laughs> noise code uh, <laughs> rules which is really weird um but yeah we were talking about this and, the, and whether or not you know how much weight we should put, put into the plus minus uh you know because there are a lot of anomalies there you know it's 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 one stat among many um I you know some a few people have come at me with this stat and I've seen it myself where the best lineup for the Warriors does not include uh Clay Thompson um on the floor but ultimately I mean they're you know they're gonna live and die with him, and you know he does have the size in terms of rebounding to help out there uh he is a big enough threat where Opposing defenses will not abandon him, and and rightfully so, because I do think if they do abandon him, he will make them pay. Um, Rick Barry's been telling me that his part of his shooting struggles stem from the fact that his feet are not set. On it, he he told me pretty much every game where he has a poor shooting performance, his he's he's forcing shots up like his feet are not set. He's rushing it. Yeah. But then he also followed that up by saying, "Look, this is one of the greatest shooters in the history of the game. You just he's just he's he's a, he's an individual who we just cannot write off." Um, regardless of what his struggles uh, are, are are are. Um I'm fast it's it's I'm curious to see what goes on with him. And I'm I'm personally confident that we'll see a turnaround, but you're right, the numbers do not favor him at the moment. Speaking of yeah, numbers, like, price what's up?
1: Yeah, and you I was just gonna say that you gotta think that Clay is paying attention to what's going on and what people are saying and I know i mean i didn't feel i felt like my my story was was fair yesterday i was just outlining what the situation was but i got a lot of blowback from people and i know um cj mccollum probably got a lot of blowback for his comments on espn yesterday where he said that uh if clay continues to play like this the warriors have no chance um of winning the finals you know that clay's hearing that and clay's Klay's going to use that as fuel going into the game.
0: Absolutely, Great. man. And that's, that's the greatness of Klay Thompson. He does use that as fuel. Um, and Steve Kerr has complete faith in him. And I think rightfully so, regardless of what the stats say. Wait, Connor, are you telling me that you wrote a column that is, was just a smidge critical of a Warriors player and all of a sudden Dub Nation just jumped all over you? I'm shocked.
1: I cannot yeah. believe it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd be, <laughs> like I, I had to explain, I didn't respond to all my emails because I got a lot of emails, but I, <laughs> I had to explain to a couple people. Look, my job is to write about the the the, the pressing issues facing the team, and to uh, get not everything I'm r- going to write about this team is going to be glowing and positive. And if you have a problem with that, fine. But like, I'm doing my job, and yeah, I think that sometimes, and I'm not going to like name anyone, but the in sports writing, some some sports writers have a tendency to just only want to veer toward the positive. And I think that readers kind of get used to everything being positive sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so when there is something, I don't even want to say critical, but just bringing up something that's not positive, they kind of freak out and they're like, "Why aren't Why aren't you going along with everyone else and being positive?" It's like <laughs> I'm trying to do my job over here, man. Jeez.
0: <laughs> you know, and I'll and I'll say this for Dubnation as well. Like an article, like like I said, an article like that, Clay will read it. Um, you've, you've documented on this show and I'm sure in other places as well, the players are, are handed articles almost on a daily basis when they're written about them and written about the team. And so Dub Nation, if you want to spin this as a positive, if Connor Returnal is writing a story that is, you know, in your interpretation of it, critical. And I did not think that article was critical. I think it was, it was actually very objective. You were just stating the facts of Clay's statistical, uh, situation that he's in right now. Look, he's going to use that as fuel and i do think look the warriors have to win game three or four uh they, they do i mean I, I don't think the warriors want to find themselves down 3-1 coming back home um and clay's due for a big game, so i think if anything an article like yours which again was objective i mean you, you approached it in a very neutral manner um, I just up to have to everything I write. Learned.
1: I mean, if I'm gonna say something, I'm gonna have statistics and analysis to back. Yeah. It. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of these hot takey people who just throw <laughs> yeah. things out there for the sake of throwing it out there. Everything I write and say is rooted in research and observation absolutely. and analysis. So
0: absolutely, man. No, you're hundred percent right. Um, and, and again, as I was I was diving into an ad read there a few minutes ago, prize picks, a longtime sponsor uh their da- daily fantasy made easy i decided to sign up and i put money in the account and connor i'm like kind of hooked on this thing i didn't touch it for game two i don't know if i'm going to touch it for game three but i'm going to share my screen of my personal account just to show you what price picks is about because it's actually really fun so you basically pick over-unders you got to pick a minimum of two players and they're over-unders so this screen i'm showing you right now is a scoring chart so for example you're g- you can bet on stephen curry and whether or not he's going to score over 28 and a half points in other words he's going to score 29 or more or he's going to score 28 or less i'm going to stay away from that one anything you see here that looks good like clay thompson for example is due for a big game his ou is 18 and a half that tells me the bookies think he's he's due for a bigger game given he's averaging i think 13 in this series um jordan Poole might score more than 13 and a half i don't know that's the price picks is fun does anything stick out to you here so that you can help me make money since you can't bet on this yourself
1: um, speaking of clay, I mean, the clay stats, interesting, um, 18.5, it seems high. 18. It does, but he's also
0: due, 5. right. I think that's why they said that you could bet on other things too, though. You could bet on like turnovers, their turnover things like tantalizing to me because Stephanie like Draymond green, two and a half turnovers. I think that's normally that's a safe bet on the over when they're on the road but I don't Jason Tatum's turning the ball over a lot. That's why he's, we use a three and a half. He's actually had a record setting pace. The point is this is price picks. That's what you can do. You can bet on assists. You can bet on rebounds plus assists blocks. Re, I mean, you name it, you can bet on it. It's super fun. And it's, it gets just daily fantasy uh, made easy. It's a grand old time. You folks can all sign up as well. Just go to the website and for a limited time, price picks has an, has an exclusive no brainer of an offer for all our users Users get $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores just a single point. When I signed up, Jason Tatum just had to score one point for me to nail one of the two overs, and I won. That was the easiest win ever. But you must use the code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans. Sign up today and use the code NBA for $50 free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores just a single point. Don warriors your daily golden state warriors podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day thank you for making locked on warriors your first listen every day make sure to go check out the locked on nba big board host rafael barlow from nba draft junkies and author of the nba big board newsletter is joined by richard stamen sam ferris and leaf thulin giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA draft, mock draft, player rankings, and, of course, the big boards. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. You can follow Conor Oterno on Twitter at CON underscore CHRON, CON underscore CRON. You can follow me, Cyrus Otsos, on Twitter at DogSurfRoadShow. What is your prognostication for games? Actually, you know what? Let's save that for the end. I want to take a step back. I'm not ready to jump into predictions quite yet. Um, I'm curious to know, uh, in your opinion how are the Warriors, how, no, let me rephrase this. How are the Celtics going to beat the Warriors? Like, like, what do you think they're going to do for adjustments in a game three? The Warriors made important adjustments in game two. Chief among them, aggressiveness. Chief among them, ditching the zone defense. I think they, there was one play total where they ran the zone in game two. And 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 obviously they, they mixed up defensive uh, assignments. Clay Thompson, as you mentioned, was guarding Al Forford and, and and again, they were doing man D, so none of those none of those three point shooters were wide open in game two. What do you think the Celtics are going to do or need to do in game three? What, what should the Warriors expect from them?
1: I actually think the Celtics um, defensively have done a really nice job overall, and, and I thought they did a good job in game two. I mean, one one huge credit to the Celtics is that the Warriors have had to change their offense um, in a in a significant way. Um, you haven't seen the ball movement as much as as Steve Kerr would prefer, um, because they have because uh, the Celtics have been so physical that it's been affecting their their ability to move off the ball. So uh, Steve has been dialing up a lot more pick and rolls. You saw Steph Curry have twelve pick and rolls apiece in both games one and two, which is significantly more than normal. And there's been a lot more of a kind of an isolation heavy brand of basketball, um, and that's been largely just because the complimentary guys, you know, the, the, the other options on this team have not uh, been producing uh, the way they need to be. So the wars have had to rely on Steph, just being Steph and cooking. And um, that's a credit to the Celtics. The war, the Warriors don't want to play like that. That's not preferred. It's more, it's, it's kind of an act of desperation. It's like, okay, we got to engineer some offense here. Um, So I really think that, more than anything it's it's what the celtics do offensively i don't think they need to make a ton of major drastic changes defensively it's more offensively um they need they need tatum to be better i know he got his points last game but he his collective plus minus has been awful in this series um they need they need to figure out a way to kind of get him going is that more pick and rolls is that um, is that different lineup combinations? I'm not totally sure, but um, there's not a, a world where the Celtics win this series and he is posting these awful plus minuses every game. Um, so that's, that's the big thing. Um, my guess is that they're going to have a lot more pick and rolls for him just to kind of get him going. Um, that might not be a bad place to start.
0: Yeah, and we saw that pick and roll, by the way, from the Warriors. Like you mentioned about the Warriors' offense. I mean, look, the Warriors' offense, I think, we're, we're seeing what we're going to get from them. They, they put up 10, 108 the first game, 107 the second game. And look, that's the ballpark range of what the Warriors are going to score. The Celtics, I thought, game one was a total anomaly. Putting up 120 on that Warriors' D was just eye-opening. And then we saw, I think, more of a reversion to the mean in game two where they put up just 88 um and look they might put up more I mean I wouldn't surprise me if we saw 100 from them but this is where ultimately I think why the Warriors are the better team is I don't think the Celtics have enough firepower to match them um and we'll delve delve into that a little more because I really hope the Warriors have been gobbling down their build bars uh they're on the road these things are protein packed Connor I know you you need these things you've had them before I by the way Connor I officially have a new favorite flavor of built bar my mom just ordered me uh, the built bar granolas, which are, and, and she got me the chocolate peanut butter. That's officially my favorite flavor, man. These are like the least chewy of all of them. You got that granola in there. It's still healthy. It's still packed with protein, still really low on sugar, um, low on calories. I think it's only like one thirty per bar. And again, the protein is really good for you. It's collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and it provides a ton of health benefits. There's a million reasons you should try built bars, but for now, Let's just say that the, the, the granola bars are the way to go. If you just go to built.com, you can get your pick of the litter. There's a million flavors to choose from. Go to built.com, Use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Again, use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team
1: every day.
0: Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. The folks at Locked On have an important survey they like all of you to take. If that's okay, you have a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. If you participate, just go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Again, the website is LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey connor turno is available on twitter for free at con underscore chron con underscore cron he reports for the golden state warriors and many other things uh for the san francisco chronicle you can follow me on twitter at dog surf rocho uh you know that th- gary payne ii was huge uh nemani bielitsi was huge um, I thought Andre Iguodala actually played a good game in game one. I mean, if anything, the Warriors I Hope realize you can't have him and Draymond Green out there simultaneously. I think Andre coming off the bench to relieve Draymond is a fantastic option. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts about the roster in general? I, and and, and the, the nine-man rotation in game two, I thought, was borderline perfect. Um, if they throw Iguodala in there, great. Uh, if not, that nine-man rotation is, is perfect to me. I'm happy with it. Your thoughts on the rotation uh and if you maybe you think there's an improvement there or or changes need to be made
1: yeah i think i think steve's figuring it out you know it's been it's been a process in part because there's just been sorry because there's been so much uh injuries and 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 guys in and out of the rotation and lineups and things like that but it feels like they're finally kind of figuring out who's going to be available and steve can finally establish some consistency i think you know, it looks like GP2 and Otto Porter are back. They're getting more yes. normal minutes, which is good. Uh Andre, at this point, I think you can just count him out. He's done-zo. Um, I think he's shown <laughs> that he just cannot be on the floor consistently. And At this point, you need to just be like, hey, man, you tried, but you're going to just be the Udonis Haslam guy who's on the bench being another assistant coach, and that'll be helpful. <laughs> but right now, we just can't. It's just not going to work in terms of having you in the rotation or playing at all, uh, given how many injuries you've been dealing with.
0: So, and that's just the reality. Is it a compliment or is that a diss? By the way, to tell someone you're the Udonis hot Haslam of the team—I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult. It's not, it's just,
1: it's not an insult or a compliment. It's just—it's just, it's just <laughs> what he is right now. I mean, he—he he has not proven he can stay on the floor. Like he comes back, he immediately gets True. injured, and that's happened multiple times. <laughs> this season now and that's like we're in the finals like you need to go with what you got and at this point he has credit to him he has been very helpful as that extra assistant coach i mean he's yeah. a, a credible basketball mind i've you've seen him being very hands on with the young guys and there's value there you know like that alone probably makes him it, it, worth signing him to a minimum honestly um so uh i think I think what you saw in game two was a formula that steve can continue to go back to i liked how many minutes steph got i liked how many minutes pool got um they they needed to lean a little bit more on steph than they had in game one um and keep in mind steph didn't play game uh the fourth quarter because he didn't have to um the other night but um it's clear that if they need him to he'll be playing well over 40 minutes a night which is necessary At this stage of the season, especially given where some of these other guys are, and so yeah, I I really like the combinations and and everything. I think you know, no, as we've talked about, guys haven't been perfect. You know, Clay needs to play better. Jordan, even though he you know had that really nice moment in Game Two, you know, he didn't really start to come into his own until the game was out of hand for the Celtics. And so they need him to really contribute and be helpful when the game is very much in doubt. Still, so um, that'll be important. And but adding someone like GP two back in the mix cannot be understated. And same goes for Otto Porter. I mean, did you see their plus minuses from game two? It was absurd. He touched. Yeah, it was absurd. I think. I think. uh, I think Otto was like plus twenty three, and GP two was plus fifteen.
0: He was 24. He was plus 24. He tied with Looney and Steph for the lead on on one field goal attempt. It's crazy. It's just – and that's what I try to tell people. It's like all all the moneyball people out there – and I think that's where people have whiffed on the Warriors so much is that so many people just rely so much on analytics to judge players and teams. And maybe it's just a time thing. They just can't watch this team enough. But you can't judge this team based on stats. You can't because there's so many intangible type players like Gary Payton II, like Otto Porter Jr., um, I think Bealitsa, by the way, proved that he belongs. I hope he even sees more minutes in in Game Three, especially if Igadala does not play. So you're so you Iguodala to you is 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 Dunzo. Like you don't think
1: they're going to see him again? In this I series? would be surprised. Uh, I would be surprised. But I mean, I haven't. <laughs> have no careful. one has Look said anything Warriors. affirmative about that. I just reading the room would be <laughs> yeah. surprised. It's like I was a little surprised he came back at all honestly um just given how people had been talking including draymond publicly and things like that um and then he comes back and immediately gets hurt again and it's just like okay we've we've been through this a few times this season i mean literally where he is gone for an extended period of time comes back and gets injured in the first game back that has happened multiple times this season and once that starts to happen Absolutely. it's like okay it's just it's the writings on the wall here you know you're 38 yeah. i believe I think yes. everyone kind of assumes you're going to retire at the end of the season. Just, you know, camp out, camp out on the bench, be really hands on with the young guys, pull aside Jordan Poole during every timeout, and you'll be helpful. And honestly, the truth is, those minutes are probably better spent on GP2 and Otto Porter and those, and maybe even Moses Moody at this point. That's just the truth. And it's nothing against Andre. But it's more of a compliment to those other guys.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you on that, and 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 I honestly think his mentorship of Draymond Green is maybe most most important. He seems to be a routine calming presence for Draymond when the emotions start running wild. You got to run. Um, I, I know you got to go real quick before we wrap things up. What are your predictions for Game Three, man? I I think this is going to be a tight battle. Both teams feel the urgency. This is going to be the first time this series where they're both going to be locked in and engaged. Although, like you said, and I agree with you. The Celtics are facing a lot more pressure here. Like, if they lose game three, the Warriors have all the momentum. Um, so what are your thoughts on game three, man? What do you think is going to happen?
1: I honestly feel like the Warriors are going to shock some people and they're going to win game three. And it's going to change the whole tenor of the series. Because if you're going into game four in Boston and the Warriors are up 2-1, that is a totally different vibe. Um, I just think that the Warriors, as we talked about, are, are figuring things out rotationally, and Clay is, or sorry, Steph is Steph right now. Steph is you know at his best, and I feel like you can rely on him. And I feel like a couple of those complementary pieces who've been struggling are going to step up. I think Clay is going to have a bigger game. I think Jordan's going to be more consistent. And if you if you add that to what Steph already is, that's going to be really hard for the Celtics. And so I I actually think that they're going to surprise some people. I still think that we could go back to a game five in, in San Francisco with the series tied two to two, but um, I don't know. I'm feeling like, I'm feeling like the Warriors might pull rabbit out of their hat tomorrow.
0: I hope so, man. It it wouldn't surprise me either way. I could also see the Celtics pulling it and then the Warriors winning game four. I just, I do know that the Warriors clearly do not want to come back to chase center down three, one, but I do think the Warriors are the better team, and I'm curious to see what happens here. Connor, you got to go, You got to run, man. You've been doing tremendous work for the San Francisco Chronicle, covering the Golden State Warriors all season, the last six years for that matter. Keep up the great work. You can follow Connor Litturno on Twitter at CON underscore CHRON, CON underscore CRON. You can follow me on t- Twitter at DocSurfRoadShow, and this program on Twitter at Locked on Dubs. Connor, brother, always a pleasure, man. Love you, dude. Talk to you soon, man. You. Have fun. Thank you. Bye. Later, brother.